0: You're listening to Better Than Before Breast Cancer with the Breast Cancer Recovery Coach. I'm your host, Laura Lummer. I'm a certified life coach, and I'm a breast cancer thriver. In this podcast, I will give you the skills and the insights and the tools to move past the emotional and physical trauma of a breast cancer diagnosis. If you're looking for a way to create a life that's even better than before breast cancer, you've come to the right place. Let's get started. Hello friends, I'm Laura Lummer and you're listening to episode 318. And today is our Tuesday Terrain Talk. This is where we talk about things that you can do, tangible things that you can do to have an impact on your body's ability to stay healthy, well, achieve optimal wellness. This isn't about treating cancer. This is about making the body as healthy as it can be by addressing the opportunities. And we have so many of them that we can address in our lives. Now, we gotta be careful because what we're gonna talk about today are the top two categories that I see scoring high in the Terrain 10 assessment, which means when women go in and they take this assessment, it gives them a score saying the highest scoring areas are areas where we could stand to make some improvements in our lifestyle. And overwhelmingly, those two top two categories are mental and emotional wellness and stress management. And I wanna talk about today how those actually impact our health and how it didn't start with you. And this is why, I think this is important. As I was thinking about this, as I saw these results and I was thinking about doing an episode on, on these two categories, I was in a call and talking to someone, talking to a client about the impact of stress and trauma. And she asked me, which is a great question, and she says, "Well." If stress and trauma have that big of an impact on our healing and on our body's response to things and they can affect cancer, why do babies have cancer? Why are people born with cancer? Why do young children get cancer? They don't have traumas yet. And I wanna be, and I think that's a great question, one that I've asked myself a lot, but I wanna be really clear on something. One thing doesn't create cancer right? It's not like we're not going to blame ourselves or our mom or whoever because we had stress or trauma and that caused cancer. Yet, when I ask my clients, and I've talked about this before on the show, why do you think you got cancer? Overwhelmingly, I hear about a, a life, a stressful life episode, a relationship, a job, a combination of stressful events happening at one time. And I think that that carries a lot of weight. Is that what caused cancer? Probably not. Is that something that contributed to a weakness in the immune system and maybe came together in the perfect storm of all the things that can contribute to cancer? It could be. But more importantly, it doesn't matter why because if you're asking that question, then you already have cancer, right? So it doesn't really matter why except if we're looking at it in the context of, what can I do to support my body's ability to be well? After we've been through cancer treatment and diagnosis, what can you do to support your body's ability to be well and your immune system to be strong so that you decrease your risk of finding yourself there again? That's the big question, right? So we don't wanna go down the guilt and shame road of, oh my gosh, I should've handled that better, that's probably what gave me cancer. We wanna look forward to the life we want to live, to being in this moment and saying in truth right now, what could I do to support myself better? What do I need? And a lot of times what will change your life is focusing on mental and emotional wellness and reducing stress. And as I said a minute ago, it didn't start with you. There's what's called generational trauma. And I wanna talk about that today. So I wanna talk about how stress really impacts us and it impacts us over the generations because studies show that a woman, when she's going through stress and trauma, that period of her life can affect three generations of children, of family. And the same goes for men. There aren't as many studies on the genetics and the epigenetic trauma-related epigenetics they come through the male side, the paternal side of the family, but there are some. They're mostly not human studies, they're animal studies. So that's gonna vary, of course. We're not rats, so we respond differently. But the evidence that's there is substantial to say, like, here we already know it's coming through the maternal line. There's more studies in that and more being done because we're just learning about genetics and epigenetics and what that really means and the impact it has on our health. But this comes from both sides. So whatever trauma our great grandmas were going through, living with when they were pregnant with our grandparents, and then our grandparents when they were pregnant or conceiving with our parents and on down the line. And it's not just in the gestational period, it's not just in the pregnancy, but I wanna talk about how stress and trauma, whether they're big traumas or little traumas, but stress overall, impacts us throughout our life so i hear this often from people who say you know i shouldn't be stressed i have a good life well there's always stress in our life right now in the world today we're seeing so many conflicts everywhere even if you personally are not impacted meaning your home isn't you know being bombed but you're still In the stress, right? You're in the stress of civil unrest, wherever it is that you live. And it's obviously going to have different degrees and different traumas depending on how much you're impacted, how directly it's impacting you, but it's stressful. And then we have just the day-to-day stressors of life. In addition to that, we have financial concerns, health concerns, raising kids, making mistakes, the way we judge ourselves, all the things, and they all add up. When we focus externally, when we put all of our focus into what do I eat? And, you know, I talk about this on the podcast using a chronome- chronometer to watch what my foods are, to see what my fat intake is, using a keto mojo to test my blood to see if I have a good GKI, where my ketones are, where my blood glucose is. I talk about that because it's a part of my lifestyle. But for some people, that in itself is very stressful. So when we focus on external factors, like worrying about everything you put in your mouth, everything you put on your body, you create even more stress for yourself. That can be super stressful. And there's even been times, it's been a little over three years since my stage four diagnosis now, there have been times where I've just stopped that. There have been times where I was like, okay, I'm feeling frustration, I'm feeling a little overwhelmed by all of this. I don't want to write down everything I eat. I don't want to test my blood multiple times a day. And there have been times where I just take a break for it because it's more important to be able to stay calm and in a good mental state that has such a huge impact on our wellness, on our ability to sleep, on the health of our microbiome. And so I want to do this episode and talk more about stress. This certainly won't be the only one, but I want to help you understand that how stress affects our genetics, how stress affects our lifestyle, and how that can have an impact on your wellness. So we don't want to necessarily look at stress and say, I don't have a right to be stressed or I should be happier. We want to be in a place where we say, wow, I'm feeling stressed what's my body telling me what are the red flags it's sending up am i having trouble in different areas do i have digestive digestive discomfort do i have trouble sleeping you know are you just feeling stressed overall a lot of times when i do a fast i have to be really careful because i can tell when my body starts to get tense and that tells me that i'm having a cortisol spike and that tells me that cortisol is going to spike my glucose which is the opposite of what i want so even if i've decided i'm going to do a three-day fast if a day and a half into that i can tell i feel a tightness in my body i can tell i feel stressed then i'm going to eat something because i want to avoid stress i want to reduce it and manage it as much as possible and if that means making concessions in other areas, that's okay. The feeling of calmness is something that I want and something that I know is important to my health. So I want to share with you some insights on why stress is such a big factor in our lives, how it can impact us, and what we can do about it. And also when it comes to generational impact on our bodies, it isn't just the emotional, mental, or stressful impact that generational trauma can bring, but it's also the toxic burden. And I'm going to talk, talk about that and touch on exactly what we see as far as toxic burden is concerned and how it translates into affecting future generations. Okay? So let's dig in. So first, let's talk about exactly what type of genetic changes we can see. And I want to say epigenetic changes because trauma stress in our grandparents, in our parents during gestation, while they're pregnant with us, they're not going to fundamentally change the DNA. What they do is they change the way that our DNA is expressed. So if you have a gene that contributes to how your body responds to stressful triggers, that gene can be altered so it's maybe hypersensitive or maybe shut down, right? So it's not your DNA, your DNA is your DNA, but it's the way your DNA expresses. And that's a super complicated process, but here's some of the ways that it's impacted Let's talk about the different ways that trauma experienced by one woman, so let's say by our great-grandma, can affect three generations of descendants. And also, let's not forget, by grandpa as well, because grandpa's sperm has something to do with this. And whatever he is experiencing at conception is also going to contribute to the amount of stress and to the epigenetic changes we experience but it's also gonna contribute to the way grandpa and grandma interact with each other and with their children, okay? So some of the ways that that kind of trauma can affect us is through epigenetic changes. Other ways are through behavior and psychological impact. So when someone is traumatized or someone is under a lot of stress, then they may be struggling with other mental health issues like anxiety, depression, PTSD. And all of that is gonna affect how they interact with their children, with their partner in life, how they parent their children. And that's gonna affect the psychological and emotional development of the child itself, right? Then there's gonna be socioeconomic effects. That kind of trauma also comes down to the next generation and generations after that. I think about my mom, she's 83 now and She's financially fine, set for life. She's totally taken care of. My mom and dad were good with their money and she has nothing to worry about. But yet she stresses over money a lot. And this is a generational thing because of the history, which I'll talk about in a minute, some of the things that she's been through. But those challenges affect a person. And then when that person is pregnant, especially if they're going through economic difficulties during that time, that's going to also affect the genetics of the child that's being carried. And then the way the child is being raised. Financial and economic difficulties and struggles. I mean, I certainly can remember a lot of that throughout my life as a child. And the trauma that I realize now at the age of 60, I'm still dealing with over money and money beliefs and stress and fear and anxiety about money. That stuff goes deep and that affects the way that our genetics function. And so taking that into consideration, we see that every family has Beliefs, stories, experiences, right? It's not just about genetics and what genes are passed down, but how the story of a family, the narrative of a family, how that influences the attitudes and the beliefs across generations. Especially even when we're ta- I'm talking about women. So I think back about the way that the story in my family was about women in their roles in society, in their roles in the family, and how much stress that caused for me that I had to work through in connecting to what I believed was my story and my path and reconciling that with what I was conditioned to believe I was supposed to want to do, okay? Okay. So then we also have health behaviors. So if we've got people who've been traumatized or people who just are not educated as far as health behaviors and what are good health behaviors, and let's be honest about that too, as far as nutrition and health behaviors, this is relatively new stuff. I mean, our great grandparents and and our grandparents, they weren't being taught about health behaviors. They were trying to figure out how to survive. They had a lot of stress that they were going under. So, you know, nutrition science is basically like hundred years old. It's baby science, genetics and epigenetics. My God, things are being discovered all the time. Psychological factors, right? The way that our mental and emotional wellness affects our microbiome, the way that affects our health, talking about emotions and feelings, that was not something that most of us generally, our great parents, great grandparents, no way in hell, right? Our grandparents, nope. And even our parents, you know, when I was in high school, in college, even as a young parent, as a young adult in my 20s and 30s, people who went to get to see a counselor, to see a psychiatrist or psychologist, people thought they were crazy, right? There was a stigma around that. So we've got the tangible things that we're exposed to in life. We've got the socioeconomic pressures. We've got cultural pressures. We've got family stories. We've got family traditions and belief systems as far as healthcare and all that gets passed on to us, right? So I started wondering what kind of traumas could have been experienced in my generations, right? What did my great-grandmother go through? What did my grandma go through? What did my mom go through? So my great-grandma, when she was pregnant, I just looked back at the times that I knew about pregnancy and then kind of what was happening at that time. But just to give you an idea, let's think about what people go through and what's been passed down to us. So my great-grandma, was pregnant roughly a hundred years ago, right? In the early 1900s, she was pregnant with my grandma and she lived in Austria. So during that time, when my grandma lived in Austria, my great grandma lived in Austria, there were tremendous economic difficulties. And I know for a fact, because we interviewed my grandma and grandpa, before they passed. Thank God my sister had the foresight to do that. And they shared with us stories about what happened in our family during World War One, and how our family migrated to Canada and to the United States and from Canada to the United States. But how they came from Europe and came over and what they were going through and what they were struggling with. So a significant amount of trauma was happening there, right? Even though it wasn't thought of as trauma then, it was just like, it was just life, that's just what they go through. There was tremendous gender inequality a 100 years ago, think about it, women's rights were very limited. They were restricted to specific household roles and, they had very limited legal rights as well. And so many women were treated horribly, and I happen to know for a fact that there was alcoholism in in my great-grandfather, and there was physical and emotional abuse. So there were health challenges at that time in life. There were diseases and epidemics. And my family in my great-grandma's generation did not have a lot of money. So living, hygiene, all that stuff around health was very different. They migrated to the United States. So they came to a new country. They left what they knew behind, their family, their friends. They faced a new culture, language barriers, discrimination. Think about that. And all of this in the midst of World War One. So there was a tremendous amount of stress going on with great grandma when she was pregnant with my grandma. Then we moved to my grandma. And she was pregnant, obviously, 83 years ago, right? So in the 1940s. What was going on in the 1940s? World War II. And my grandma did have to go to work. She went to the factories when all the men were sent off to go to work. And so she not only left the home to go to work, but she had two kids. And one of those children had to go live with her sister during the week so that my grandma could work during the week and just pick her up on the weekend. So think about the the stress that that would have created, Right. So there was a lot of socioeconomics going on. There was loss and grief and devastation from hearing what was going on in the war. Obviously, lots of economic challenges. There were also, even in the 1940s, racial and ethnic tensions were happening at that time. Think about people being put in internment camps. And even though my grandparents weren't, they weren't infected by that. But that affects us as human beings when we see that happening to other people with fear, with anxiety, with what's going to happen to us and just basic humanity, right? Women's roles at that time, even though my grandma could go to work and more women were going to work, they were really submissive kind of roles, right? Women were not treated with equality at all. And we still struggle with that today. And then a lot of women had to be forced out of their jobs when the men came home. My grandma didn't. She was able to keep her job. But still, all of this was going on and she's seeing this around her. And you know, if you or any have ever had experience with you being faced with layoffs happening around you, or if your spouse was the person that's the breadwinner in the family being faced with layoffs, even knowing that that's happening around you is stressful. So here we go from grandma. To great grandma, and think about the lifestyle. This is not just when they're pregnant. From great grandma to grandma, there was a lot going on in their lives that was very stressful and very traumatic, even if they didn't perceive it to be that because that language just wasn't used then, right? Then we come to my mom. I was born in 1963. That time was a lot of civil unrest. The civil rights movement was at its height. The vietnam war was going on and i distinctly remember my parents watching that and watching the news about the war on tv all the time i have flashes of like images still from when i was a kid of scary things that i saw about the war on the news and they didn't make sense to me at that time but obviously they had some kind of traumatic impact on me right as a a small child not even understanding what i was seeing But I remember scary pictures of, and now knowing that they were POWs being released, or they were, you know, video of what was film of what was happening in the war in Vietnam. I didn't understand it, but it stuck in my brain to the extent that it still have flashes of it as an adult, decades later, right? So then. Even there was major assassinations. In fact, my President Kennedy was assassinated four days before I was born. And my mom was so stressed, she went into false labor because she watched the assassination on TV. So there's all the stress going on around her. And then of course the feminist movement was very big, sexual rights, gender rights, and still the threat of nuclear war. I can remember as a kid in elementary school, I don't think we were still doing this in high school, but I know through junior high school, we would have drills. We would watch films of nuclear bombs. And I guess that they had them from when, jet, when Japan was bombed, but we would watch these films and they would practice with us like crawling under your desk. I, we, I live in California, so we would have earthquake drills where they would send off the earthquake alarm and we'd all have to hide under our desks and say this is what we do in an earthquake. And we would do the same thing with with. Cold War threats and they would have these films and trainings for us and that this is what we should do forever attack. That's freaking traumatizing. That's stressful. And so that's still in me too from when I was a kid, right? So there's so much stuff that we think about that impacts us and maybe we don't even realize at the time that it's stressful because it's just what's happening in the world and in life. But throughout the generations, it is impacting our genetics. If we are in fear, if we are in stress over these things, they are affecting us. They have to. Our body can't be separated from our emotions. And then in my own family, as I was being raised, my father was a deputy sheriff and he worked nights. My mom was always stressed. So me growing up as a child, there was a constant stressor. My dad worked at nights, he slept during the day. So we, my mom was always freaking out about us making noise during the day. So it's like, be quiet, you're gonna wake up your dad. And then the story was, right, if we wake up our dad, he'll be too tired at work and he won't be aware and he'll get shot and killed. That's freaking stressful, right, as a kid. But my mom, that was her story, that was her worry, right? My dad was, her primary source of it, he was the income. My mom didn't work, my dad worked, there were six kids. She was super stressed all the time. She'd stay up late listening to the police scanner, just checking on my dad all night long. And we knew that, us kids knew that. So of course there was an underlying stress for us, wondering, like, is dad gonna be okay? you know. And there's, there's just this film of stress constantly, the worry that dad, when dad goes to work, he might never come home, right? So that, Along with economic stuff, we just think about all the things we go through as a kid. That's all affecting my epigenetics. And I can look at my life and say, I had a pretty good life. I had a normal childhood. No one's childhood is without stress. No one's childhood is without trauma. Fortunately, I don't feel that my childhood had big T traumas, right? I never had to worry about violence or sexual abuse or anything like that directed towards me. And we did always have enough food for everybody and we did have enough clothes. So the traumas, the stressors were day-to-day life and cultural and societal and economic stressors that mostly everybody goes through. So hopefully that story gives you a little bit more insight when you start to think, wow, yeah. Your body didn't start with you. Your body started with genetics from your ancestors, from your great-grandma, and and beyond, right? I mean, we know, and we actually have science that shows us back three generations now. But as we talk about this, and as I relate this kind of story, you can see where it's more than just three generations feed into who we are now and what we experience now. Then, in addition to that, we do have the toxic burden. Whatever chemicals our great grandparents, our grandparents, our parents, whatever they were exposed to, that's gonna impact what happens to us during gestation, during our mom's pregnancy. And so we know now we're so much more aware of toxic burden and plastics and things like that. But even though we're more aware of that now, we've made tremendous strides in cutting down the amount of toxic exposures that humans were exposed to since my great grandma's time, right? Lead, mercury, asbestos, all of those things, our great grandparents' generations, coal, toxicity, like all kinds of stuff they were exposed to that we never even thought about at that time could transmit to a baby, right? That that was going to go into their baby. But we know now, and studies have found in the umbilical cords of infants, carcinogens found in plastics, phthalates, which I think I've talked about on previous episodes, but those are chemicals used to make plastics. We find BPA in the umbilical cords of infants. And we know that BPA is a known carcinogen and can increase the risk of cancers. We have BPA. PCBs, polychlorinated biphenols, those are banned chemicals. They've been banned in countries for decades, and we're still finding them in the umbilical cords of babies. They were widely used in electrical equipment, in paints, and lots of other products, and they can stay in the environment and accumulate in the human body and increase the risk of cancer and neurological damage. Pesticides. And again, we've made so many strides in kind of cleaning up our environment over the generations. But pesticides like glyphosate, which is widely used, accumulate in the human bodies, heavy metals also. So think about it again. Generationally, our grandparents are great, but grandparents were exposed to mercury and lead. And so, our first exposures to toxins can be happening when we're in the womb. And in fact, if we look back to our mom's generation, grandma's generation, great grandma's generation, they didn't even realize that different medications that women would take, alcohol, smoking, right? All that stuff was still going on when people were pregnant because they didn't think it affected the baby. So, if that was happening in your great grandma's generation, and for me personally, my dad smoked in the house the whole time, that I mean, his whole life. He smoked from the time I think he was 13 or 14 years old. So when my mom was pregnant, she was breathing in secondhand smoke, and then she started smoking in her 30s. So we were always exposed to cigarette smoke, even in the womb. And uh, I'm not saying all this to scare you because there's things we can do about it. There's a lot we can do about it. But I'm saying it so you understand the significance Of stress, and that you don't just question yourself and like, why me? And I didn't do anything and I did everything right. And maybe you did, but we still have exposures. And so, shaming ourselves or beating our heads against the wall trying to figure out why something happened isn't necessarily helpful because maybe it happened two generations ago. Maybe it's just been passed down. And the important thing, again, is to realize it's happening now and because it's happening now, wherever it came from, or because it happened to you and now you're beyond the cancer treatment, but you wanna do all that you can to not go through that again, what can you do? What kinds of things have a positive influence on our epigenetics whether they've been changed by generational trauma or by trauma in your current life what can you do to manage stress repair dna repair dna expression and support your body's optimal wellness there is a lot and fortunately they're simple things maybe not easy things but simple things and one of those big things is to really look at stress-related disorders to look at ptsd to look at the psychological effects of trauma that maybe were in your lifetime or maybe could be passed down to see what people have been through without judgment just understanding and realizing that could have an effect on you once you accept that creating a healthy lifestyle plan that works for you is the best way to go It sometimes amazes me how there are just, I don't even know, hundreds of thousands of books, how there are, I don't even know how many different diets and different diet books and different diet facilities and programs, all of this that has been written about food and what to eat, when it's really so simple as eat whole food, get the processed food out of your diet, because that in itself can be doing damage to your DNA. So start with cleaning up the diet. Wait, we're talking about stress. Why are we talking about diet now? Right? Because diet impacts your microbiome and an unhealthy microbiome impacts the way your brain functions. And it can create epigenetic changes that make your body respond more strongly to stress. So stressors in your life can all be mitigated to some extent when you're taking better care of your body physically. I was just having this conversation with one of my children, and we were talking about going through a stressful time in in his life. And I just check in on him all the time. Are you exercising? Are you eating right? Are you keeping alcohol out of your lifestyle? And even by his own admission, He says, yes, because I feel so much better. I know I'm able to handle this better because I'm very focused on getting to the gym now. I'm very focused on keeping alcohol out now. And I can tell that it's helping me manage things better. So this is really critical. Stress doesn't just mean we don't just look at it and say, how do we get rid of the stressor? because sometimes we can and sometimes we can't. Like I can't get rid of all the stressors that are happening in society right now. So I have to deal with how I can manage them for myself and supporting my body and my body's ability to feel well and function well supports my ability to be calm and then to make sure that I'm focusing on food, that I am exercising and that now, because the physical part of my body feels so good, I can focus also on the emotional parts, on creating a positive mental environment with journaling practices, with meditation practices. And those are so important. You know, in yoga, a lot of people in the Western world, we think of yoga as just moving the body, right? Going to yoga class. But that part is called asana. Yoga is a science. Yoga has many levels to it, and asana is one of the basic fundamental levels of yoga, moving the body. Yoga moves up through different levels until it gets to sitting in meditation and beyond meditation, which are you know incredible levels that monks achieve or yogis achieve in the Himalayas that are reaching nirvana and that type of thing. But the fundamental part is asana practice because it's so important to be able to connect the breath to the body. And to be able to calm the body because we can't sit in practice. We can't sit in meditation even for a few minutes if our body is not healthy and our body is not calm. So asana practice is the basic of getting the body healthy and preparing the body to be able to sit in silence and calmness so that you can work on the mind. It's pretty amazing, right? So this first way that we can look at supporting our epigenetic health is through looking at our lifestyle factors, such as the simple basics of eating good whole food, reducing alcohol as much as possible, if not eliminating it, exercising regularly. This is gonna help to repair some of your epigenetic patterns. Now, for people who have more serious issues, who deal with clinical levels of depression, anxiety, and other mental issues. Of course, medication and pharmacological treatment is something that they may need support with even to get to the point of making other lifestyle changes. So this is a little bit of a slippery slope because antidepressants, anti-anxiety medications, those things themselves can do DNA damage, but sometimes we have to have them to support us to just be able to do the best we can in life right? So you've got to give yourself permission to do whatever it is you need to do to be able to take the steps to create a healthy lifestyle. And then we have mindfulness and stress reduction techniques. And I say a lot on this show, like be here now, even as I've talked about epigenetics, like don't worry so much about what got you here as being able to embrace where you are now. Where are you now? What do you need now? What do you notice now? And that's where mindfulness practices come in. Mindfulness just means being here now so that you can see the stories you're telling yourself. You can accept the truth of what's happening in your life. Then you can start to improve your social and environmental conditions also by spending more time in helpful, supportive communities around people that you love, doing things and exposing yourself to things that bring more joy into your life and that bring more connection into your life. This can have a huge impact on epigenetics. There was even a study that I'll link to, and it was a rat study. It was really interesting, and this one was looking at the genetics that impacted stress. And it looked at these rat pups. And the more that the rat pups had a a mom who licked them and took care of them while they were baby rats, the less intense their response to stress was as adult rats. So connection and love is super important, and it is healing. In fact, it's one of the 10 healing factors in radical remission, improving social connections, right? Strengthening your connections is super important. So once again, we come back to these simple things that I talk about so much on these Terrain Talks, on these Tuesday Terrain Talks. And maybe you're thinking like, come on, give me something new. But here's something that I want to offer you. A lot of times when I'm coaching people and they say, yeah, 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 I've heard that. And then the question is, but have you done it? Have you practiced it? Have you incorporated this into your life? And until you do incorporate where you can say, yeah, I do have a consistently healthy lifestyle. I eat whole foods, say 80, 90% of the time, right? I have a minimal alcohol intake. I take time for myself on a regular basis to calm myself and have some kind of stress reduction practice. I exercise consistently. Until we do these simple things and we do them with consistency over time, then There's no sense in looking for something new because these are the fundamentals and they will change everything, including the impact on your genetics from generational trauma that from great grandma, they can have a wonderful, amazing impact on us. And so it seems simple and people want to dismiss it with the brush it off with the, I know I've heard this, I've heard this, but have you done it? Hopefully, this episode will give you a little more insight on how important it is to get back to these simple practices to reduce the impact that stress has on you. Because for the majority of women taking that train 10 assessment to have stress and mental and emotional wellness in the top three opportunities, that's significant. And what's important to remember is we can't control a lot of things that are around us. And so we have to be able to figure out a way to manage our response to those things that are around us because those things don't cause the stress. It's our view of them, our handling of them, our stories about them that create the stress in our bodies, in our mind, and the vulnerabilities in our health. All right, friends, if you want support with that, you know you can come and work with me. You can find me at the thebreastcancerrecoverycoach.com where you can join my Better Than Before Breast Cancer Life Coaching membership or work with me individually in one-on-one sessions and create a lifestyle plan to support your optimal health. All right, I'll talk to you again soon. Until then, be good to yourself. to the test, laid all your doubts to rest. Your mind is clearer than before, your heart is full and wanting more, your future's at the door. Give it all you got, no hesitating, you've been C'est je m'en